Welcome. I'm J. Michael Silver, and this is Foundational Steps, the show where I talk with people about the choices they've made in their life to get where they are now. In this episode, I'm talking with Veronica Leone, former corporate lawyer turned spiritualist. We jump right into the spiritual stuff in this one right out of the gate. She's a close friend, so we go there. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Links for Veronica and timestamps for everything that came up while we talked are below. Please support the show by leaving a comment or a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Check out our affiliate links for cool things you may find valuable. Enjoy our conversation. Welcome. <laughs> all right. It's all real now because we're recording. Yeah, it's official. Uh, so, yeah, because we know each other so well, I figure no, no, uh, no cold chat. Let's just dive into the to the meat <laughs> to the depth. Um, so, at what point in time in your memory do you recall being in your body? making decisions, looking around and saying, you know, the choices I'm making are affecting my reality uh, or, you know, the world around me is, is actually being impacted by the choices I make. And that could be when you're two years old, it could be when you're 30 years old, whatever pops out to you right now, that seems to be the most prominent memory of, you know, having a, a very, um, conscious awareness that your decisions and choices matter yeah in hindsight there's situations that have probably popped up in my youth where I'm like that I manifested that or something like it um but the big one the big one that pops out to me is I read a book um don't know the name of it that's not helpful um that said your guides and your spiritual guides can send you signals. And the most common ways they send you signals is through feathers or coins. Mm -hmm. And I finished the chapter. I had to go to work. I closed the book and in my lap was a feather. And I said, that's pretty trippy. No, no. I was like, no, 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 no. I did not ask for the feather because the book said you ask your guides and then they provide the affirmation. And I hadn't said, Hey guides, give me a feather. And we'll get into me switching from probably lawyer to spiritual, but it was very by the facts, very needed concrete. I'm a concrete proof kind of person. So I said, no, Um, but now I want a feather. So, Hey guides. And I had a theory that my grandmother was on my council. So I said, grandma, Margaret, send me a feather. Then I got in the car, I drove to work and I had to slam on my brakes. And I mean like whole body jolt slam on my brakes so a duck could cross Wilshire in front of my car. And then this duck, um, for people not in LA, Wilshire is a very popular, like two lanes going each direction, four lanes of traffic, constant, constant traffic, not mm-hmm. a great duck path. And there's no duck crossing signs. Um, but the duck comes in front of my car and does like a slow turn and stares at me. I swear into my soul for what was probably two and a half minutes, but felt like an hour, yeah. like a really long, like cars being like, why aren't you driving situation? And then the duck passes. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know how much that's like me shaping reality versus me just realizing that there's something else out there beyond just the physical plane. Um, maybe they're interchangeable. I don't know. Um, 
but it became a consistent theme for me in my life of whenever I have doubts, which is regularly, I would ask for some kind of sign. And depending on how um, low I feel, uh, the bigger my request would get. Um, but it was maybe maybe just a month after that duck crossing the road, I went to, I remember it was our Palm, our Palm Springs trip. Were you on that trip to Palm Springs? When I went to Palm Springs? Uh, the one for New Year's? Yeah. 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 Okay. So on that, the one that had the tortoises in the backyard? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> we, you know this, we went on a trip to Palm Springs, a bunch of friends for New Year's and the Airbnb we stayed at had two tortoises, Sunny and Cher that stayed in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And the instructions in the Airbnb were leave the tortoises alone. But the very first night the hot tub was broken. So the owner came over to fix the hot tub and he ended up chatting with us. And of course fell in love with us and thought we were great. So by the end we're like pals and he was like, oh yeah, that's Sunny and Cher and you could feed them. You can give them basically red fruits. So strawberry tomatoes that kind of thing um so i'm a huge animal lover so instantly i'm hanging out with the tortoises giving them the fruit well i am telling our our other friend mary the story about the duck crossing the road and i'm like you would not believe this this duck like changed my life crossed the road in front of my car and so now i'm asking for feathers for signs and as i'm telling the story about the duck crossing the road sunny goes from across the yard he's in the far far corner he lives under like a little patch in the corner of of the yard crosses the the entire length of the yard. Um, if I was good with distance, I'd tell you how far, but I'm not. And um, he walks up to my foot and puts his little turtle claw foot onto my shoe. Get my, I, mean, I was watching Lizzie Cross, but straight up tapped me. And I looked down and in Sunny's mouth was a feather. <laughs> <laughs> and like halfway across the yard, I was like, what's in his mouth? What is that? What's going on? What's over there? And um, yeah, it just blew my mind. And I have How did Mary react to that. Um, you know, I there was so early on in my spiritual relationship that that I think they all thought I was a little like, what's happening, Veronica? Like this isn't normal conversation that I would have. Um, so I just remember a general like, what kind of a thing? Why does he have a it became more inquisitive? Why does he have a feather? How did he get that feather? Where'd that feather come from? Um, I think the folks became a little bit more on like how does a turtle get a feather in his mouth and crawl across the yard mm-hmm. and not spit it out versus he's on a mission. Veronica's a superhero or something. Yeah. He's on a mission. <laughs> um, and I remember calling my sister and I had read, read like two books before that. And I said, mm. um, is it weird that I want to change my entire perspective of the world based off of reading two books and seeing a duck? She's like, yeah, that's normal. That's fine. People do it for less. <laughs> People did it for less. And I thought of the story I would tell if I was in like an old school uh, insane asylum. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, you don't understand. There, it, there was a duck. It was a duck across the road and it gave me a feather, you know, like, <laughs> but, but it did change me. Funny. I used to think that I'd be happier in life if I was in a, my interpretation of, of, a, an insane asylum, um, you know, the padded walls. And I, I of course I wanted to outfit it with bungee cords in the, in the corners so that I could bounce. <laughs> <laughs> so like, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have padded walls, I want to be able to bounce <laughs> and bounce <laughs> off the walls. Literally <laughs> so much more fun. I love it. Um, but I'm like, oh, I could totally entertain myself all day long, every day. <laughs> like it would be fantastic. Um, I still kind of think I would be able to entertain myself and enjoy that. Um, 
I would want yeah. nature. <laughs> so if I, I have both the padded room with a bungee cords and nature, that would be even more ideal. And pasta. Uh, and I would want pasta. That's mm -hmm. hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I've always... Food when, if I think about um, random scenarios, like being deserted on, on an island, I don't think, oh, what would I eat? I just think about what I would build and how I'd spend my days, which very relaxing, very enjoyable. How funny. Yeah. I think about the coconuts instantly. I'm like on an Island, all those coconuts, hopefully it's one of the islands that has coconuts oh, yeah. to use or something. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's some tourists in me. Cause I, I, I always think I don't care that much about food when people talk about tourists and food, but maybe not, maybe I do. Cause I definitely think about coconuts when I think about deserted Island uh, situations. It's fair. I mean, if I sit and think long enough, I'll come to food. Um, but that, that's not where my first thoughts are going. Um, so let's rewind for a second. Your big moment with the duck after reading this book that you don't remember the name of, um, which I think doesn't matter. And ultimately, if anyone else goes and reads that book, they're not going to have the same experience you're going to have. Maybe it's going to be more intense. Maybe it's going to be similar. Maybe it will just be like, well, that was a load of shit and they're going to move on. So it doesn't really matter what the book is. Um, it's in my Kindle account. If, if you really want it, I can find it for your show notes. Nah, um, if someone, if someone wants to ask and someone, you know, needs to, to, um, say, oh my God, I want to know what this book is, then, you know, they're going to leave a comment and, or reach out in some way, and then we'll go back and find out and give it to them. Um, okay. so you, you were an adult, uh, had a full career as a corporate lawyer you know, by the time you came on this path. So you've already experienced quite a bit of life, made lots of huge decisions in your life and big choices that got you to a point where you were a successful corporate lawyer, um, living that, you know, American dream uh, life, which might just all be a <laughs> bullshit dream, um, you know, to keep people occupied. Uh, or maybe it's, I don't know, it is what it is. So yeah. would you consider now with your um, new conception of, of consciousness, your new conception of making um, decisions and choices based off of, of your awareness and your groundedness in, in, in life, how would you compare that to earlier moments in your life, you know, when you were a, when you were a child or when you were a young adult or, you know, going to law school, um, how would you compare Like, how do you look at the difference between levels of consciousness or awareness? <clears throat> well, I think probably from very early on, I kind of stopped making decisions for myself or maybe never really made decisions for myself after young childhood. Um, and Wait, now, does that mean you made choices? You were had a conscious awareness that you were making a choice for yourself that you wanted something as a child? No, I just like to think that young me before all my conditioning <laughs> was probably a more whole person yeah. and making proper decisions and doing things that, that lit me up and, you know, 
fulfilled me. And then as soon as I started realizing other people's emotions got involved and uh, the family dynamics and, and social conditioning and all that kind of stuff, I stopped really tuning into myself and making my own decisions. Um, I, I guess two of the big examples is deciding what college to go to Mm. my family. I have a, I have a stepbrother who's six months older than me. So we're the same year. And my family had strongly hinted that it would be much cheaper for us if we lived in the, went to the same school and we could share housing, we could share a car. Um, and he really wanted to go in state, which was in Texas at the time. And I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go, but California was calling me. I thought maybe UCLA, something like that. Um, but he really wanted the university of Texas. And so I said, okay, I'll just, I'll just go there because I was in the top 10%. So I knew at the time it was automatic enrollment um, as long as you fill out all the paperwork and all that kind of thing. And I didn't apply to any other school. I said, that's where you want to go. We'll do that. And I got in and he did not, (laughs) that backfired. So he got into his second school at Texas Tech and, um, and then we beat them in football, like mercilessly every year of the four years that I was there how far how far apart are Texas Tech and and uh a few hours they're both uh yeah Texas Tech is in Lubbock and uh UT is in Austin Texas so so um, the whole sharing of the car never happened then oh no 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 (laughs) that was not good no no we were way too far away for that yeah um but yeah I just said okay whatever school you want to go to um and same with law school, I was sort of stuck and didn't really know what to do. And my dad was like, well, just go to law school and then you can figure it out. And I'm one of the few people that I know that had no interest in going to law school. I didn't have like dreams of being a lawyer or dreams of making lawyer money. I just was stuck. I was in a rut, didn't really know where to go. And so dad said, go to law school. And I was like, okay. Dad's a lawyer. Know. So yeah. Do dad's a lawyer. Yeah. And um, it worked really well for him. And you know, he worded it, you'll, you'll know your rights. So you won't get taken advantage as much. So that's always good to know. It's three years, three years goes by pretty fast. Um, I'm a very avid reader. I had no troubles in school with the classic learning systems. So it, it didn't seem that daunting to me. Where, (laughs) which university did you go to for law school? Uh, Pepperdine. Okay. Oh, so you did make it out to California for law school then? Yeah. Well, I was already at, so I, um, I didn't know what my major should be. Uh, it sounds painful when I look back at, at just like how unintuned I was with myself. Um, I think it just a lot of the things that felt right to me, I didn't feel like were practical. Mm. And so I didn't do them. So at first I wanted to do film or storytelling in some way. And I just didn't think, you know, the starving artist that that was a valid career choice. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what, and my dad had majored in psychology, got his PhD in psychology first. So I said, okay, I'll do psychology. And I so did this that is after UT. This was at UT. This is oh, UT. at UT. Okay. Yeah. I, d- I didn't know what school to go to and I didn't know what major to do. So I started doing psychology, um, which was interesting, but just yeah. not, you know, wasn't lighting me up. And I, I took all the film electives <laughs> that I could. And after a year, I was like, I don't really want to do this. I don't really know what to do. I'm leaning towards film more. And my dad was like, do film. I was like, what? Like, I always, I always thought he was going to be so judgmental is not the right word, but disappointed in me if I didn't have some huge, like lawyer, doctor kind of a thing. Cause he's really a a Titan in his fields. And, um, and he was like, 
it would be me versus the entire family, like me versus eight people in the board game scene it, which is like movie trivia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would sweep the floor with them like every time. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game. I used to play that game. I yeah. I don't know if I still have, but I I had a couple different versions of it. You throw the DVD in. Yeah. Um, I don't own a DVD player, so if I still have it, can't play it. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, this was in like 2000 or yeah. something like that. But he, he, he goes, yeah, you should, you should do film. Like you memorize every writer and director and, you know, the producer's yeah. names and you know, who does that. And so he was extremely supportive. Every time I've actually made a decision for myself, surprise, surprise, people have been very supportive. So I don't, I don't yeah, know how that I, works. Yeah. I don't know where I picked up this thing that I'm going to be a great disappointment to people unless I do what they want me to do. But um, I lived my life that way. And it took me a while to not blame other people for it too. I kept being like, well, my dad wants me to go to law school. And it was only, I don't know, maybe turning 30, maybe my Saturn return. I don't know where I started saying, um, I made that decision. I mean, I asked them for their advice and I did yeah. it because they suggested it, but I did make that decision. Um, and poor me, I have a law degree, <laughs> so it worked yeah. out fine, <laughs> but. Um, and you got to work at, uh, you know, big um, entertainment companies and and work yeah. on major contracts with major stars and yeah multi-million dollar contracts met um you know rubbed elbows with a lot of famous people and which i didn't really care but i did i did I mean, do you uh, care when they're good people i cared when it was lucy lawless which is uh, the first time i completely choked and didn't say anything i was behind, we were at a premiere and i was behind her in line and I was like, this is, this is the, this is the moment. And I can't do it. I couldn't do it. And I don't get starstruck. I really because don't. Zena? But, Cause it's Zena. I yeah. wanted to be Zena. I watched every episode. I did a war cries. I, and I don't mean like every episode. I mean like every episode multiple times. I recorded oh, wow. it on a VCR when I was in, in like fifth grade. Um, yeah, she, she was, she's my hero. So That's I couldn't great. do it. Yeah. So I went off on a tangent somewhere. No, 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 no. This is all, this is all good stuff. Um, so you, you were making decisions primarily based on what other people thought would be good choices and somewhat of people pleasing. You had a little bit of in the back of your head. Well, I like film. I want to be around, you know, storytelling. Uh, so that kind of led you to, to LA. So there was, there's some level of, you know, your desire sneaking through to get you um, where you're at now. So at what point in time was the big shift? Were you starting to become miserable as a lawyer or like what made you go, I need to be more in tune with myself. I need to be more conscious. I need to be more proactive and active in my consciousness and my decision-making and the choices, you know, like where can you pinpoint one or 10 things that got you to want to focus and got you to want to, you know, kind of become more alive? Yeah. So I think it didn't start out as, yes, I never, I never enjoyed the law. I really didn't. I enjoyed the people I worked with immensely, but mm. the actual law didn't do anything for me. Um, so there was always a, a missing joy element happening, right? Or always wanting more. Um, I didn't seek it out. It 
it found me in a couple different ways. The first was a couple different friends and like three different times joked, Hey, we should go see a psychic, uh, for fun. And I have a strong religious upbringing, um, that I thought psychics only worked in dark alleys at night. And, and so it would always pop up at like 11 PM and we'd be like, okay. And then we'd spend like two hours scouring LA trying to find a psychic and it wouldn't work. And, right. and it happened multiple times, each time with someone else suggesting it, not me. Um, and finally the third person was my sister. I had, I had had a back surgery and she came into town to help like rearrange my entire apartment. And we were going to reupholster this chair. That was my grandmother's, this old rocking chair. And we were on our way to the fabric store. And my sister seemingly out of nowhere said, we should see a psychic, which is not something she's ever suggested. And I said, and people just, just for anyone listening, your sister's also a lawyer. Uh, yes. <laughs> she works as a public defender, right? She, she was doing, uh, she was a public defender for many years and now she does wills and estates law. Okay. Yeah. So, so she's, she's one of the good lawyers that, um, doesn't take the money and she helps people. <laughs> right. So also very pragmatic, very smart and, and in a very non woo woo career path. Yes. Um, as I want to, <laughs> especially with you, I want to clarify that for anyone listening that you know, when I met you, you were not into any of this at all. You were just this corporate lawyer, extremely smart game nights, you know, no one wanted to play against you. <laughs> you were always like, I want Veronica on my team because uh, your, your knowledge and your ability to critical think and rational think is exceptionally high um, for anyone I've ever met. Uh, you definitely rank up there in terms of, you know, people that I've met over the last 40 some years um, that have the ability to critically think and rationalize and be grounded in all of it. So it was a real trip, you know, when you first <laughs> wanted to talk about the woo woo stuff, the spiritual stuff. Um, wow. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. People who knew me Eight, eight years ago, six yeah. years ago, like yeah. <laughs> seen a total transformation. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Night and day. I mean, you're still the same person, but the way you come at things is night and day different because your base for your, your, your ground, your foundation of rational critical thinking is so high beyond the vast majority of the people I've ever met that you no longer, that's just second nature. That's just instinct. So you no longer have to even put any work into um, <clears throat> being rationally critical and objective in your looking at something. So to see you allow that to support your, um, what some people would call irrational or emotional or not ephemeral intangible thought, or intangible uh thought pattern now uh is very interesting and uh it, it it makes it a lot harder i think for people who want to dismiss woo woo intangible ephemeral ideas and concepts because you can very quickly um, pull in rationale and point to this, that, and everything else. And like, explain that. <laughs> what about the deck? Huh? So, yeah. Um, 
you know, given that perspective, um, your, your sister says, who's, right. who's not too dissimilar from you, uh, you know, your, your father <laughs> created two very <laughs> smart legal, uh, legal minds. Um, your sister says, let's go see a psychic. <laughs> right. and, and then what happens? So uh, I say, okay, Google psychic Santa Monica. And she does. And the first woman she calls is in New York. She's not available. Second one um, doesn't pick up. And then my sister immediately gets uh, a call back and she answers. And the woman says, um, you know, hello, who's this? My sister explains. She goes, how'd you get this number? And my sister goes off your website. And she goes, no, no. How'd you get this number? She's like off of your website. And she's like, no, you're calling my personal cell. I don't have that on the website. And there was this weird back and forth of who are we talking to? How do we get this number? What's going on? And I'm sitting driving and I'm like, oh, she's good. She's good. Right. Cause like, this is her thing she does. She just calls from another phone number and says, how'd you get this number? Like, I'm not yeah. impressed, you know, whatever. Anyways. So then at the end, um, they clear it up. It doesn't matter. You know, the psychic says that kind of stuff happens to her all the time with technology. Sure. Um, but she doesn't have an opening anyway. So have a nice day. So it was all for not. <clears throat> And I think we just give up at that point. Wait, and then, but, did you check the website to see if the number that she called was the same number? Yeah. So the number my sister called originally was the website number. The number the woman called back on was a different number. But hmm. fast forward later, we end up seeing that psychic and I see her phone because we asked her about it. And she did get a call on herself from my sister when my sister never called herself. So it was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like both right in their own little Some sort of weird happened. forwarding glitch. Forwarding glitch. Maybe she used to have it forward and stopped and it got messed up or something. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but uh, maybe an hour later, she calls and says, my three o'clock just canceled. Um, this is the second odd thing that's happened. I'm probably meant to see you. Are, you. are you close? Do you have any chance that you could still get here? And we look and it turns out she, her office, which is in the back of her house, um, is like six blocks away from where I live which we hadn't looked up the address. I mean, Santa Monica, so it's not that big of a yeah. stretch, but um, so, so I mean, we dropped still Santa Monica is several miles yeah. uh, in every, in, you know, multiple directions. So, right. So um, yeah, we go over there 10 minutes later and she does a reading for us. And this was my first um, time, you know, sitting in front of a psychic or medium or clairvoyant or anything in that kind of sense. And she said, um, I have a, a grandmother spirit. I think her name is Margaret. She wanted to say that she brought the two of you here together and you were working on something of hers, um, which was a trip because it's my grandmother, Margaret, and it's her chair. Um, and she didn't say like, oh, I think it's an M name. Or I mean, she went straight to the name. Uh, she went to my sister. You've got three kids. She said their ages. She quoted just a lot of stuff that was very specific. I have an uncle who recently passed that I'm really, well, back then it was recent. Now it's not, um, that it was really close to. And she said, I also have an uncle presence here. And he says to tell you he collected boxes, which is random, but my uncle Stan did collect boxes, trinket boxes. He would have cigar boxes or tea boxes or, you know, a wide variety of boxes. And when he passed away and my aunt let everyone who went to the, the reception, take a box home with them. So I said that to her, I said, yeah, he collected boxes and people were allowed to take boxes home with them uh, to remember him by. And she goes, well, you didn't have to take them at the funeral. You got them earlier and you have four of them. Uh, which is true. I didn't need to take one because I had, you know, prime choice of the boxes before everyone else got to them. And I had four of them. 
now I have even more. I've got like 10 or something. Every time I go back yeah. to man's house, I get another box. But um, So none of the so, normal mentalist tricks. Uh, so mentalism for anyone that's not uh, familiar, mentalism is the practice or art form that carnival um, psychics or, you know, people who are faking it or whatever use to, you know, do cold readings uh, warm readings and basically get people to tell them what they need to know in order to make them seem like real psychics. Right. Um, and I could go on for another hour on mentalism and the relationship to quote unquote real psychics. Um, and I put that in parentheses for a variety of reasons that we won't go into right now. Um, but she's clearly not using the mentalism tricks by saying no no you had x number of boxes before that i mean that's that's not that's not in the uh <laughs> yeah she didn't go he was a um collector wasn't he and i was like oh yeah he did collect things yes he was it wasn't uh it wasn't coins i'm like no it's boxes 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 but it wasn't like yeah it yeah. wasn't fishing it wasn't throwing out random letters it wasn't general comments about my mood or well you seem like a, a very competitive kind of person you seem like a very you know she wasn't just giving out generalizations right. she was without me prompting not mentioning that specific i had specific names specific numbers specific names specific numbers um, which is what i would needed to think that anything was remotely true i would have needed some hard concrete yeah. um, things and and she threw one out after another after another after another and um and, and did it all with humor. Uh, she used to be a stand-up comic. Um, Shirley Lipner is this woman, by the way, and um, I highly recommend you find her, follow her, um, have her enrich your life. But yeah, she used to do stand-up comic uh, comedy. And I think people used to, I don't know if they were heckling or just throwing out information, but she'd say, I don't know if this is the exact example, but, oh, maybe you hang out with, uh, like, your dog. Like, who's got a dog here? Uh, sir, you've got a dog. What's your dog's name? Like, Wolfie? Okay, so you and Wolfie are walking down the street. You know, she would just have audience participation. And then yeah. afterwards, the guy would come up to her and say, how did you know my dog's name is Wolfie? Which is a, which is a Terminator uh, 2 reference for anyone paying attention. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, things like that. So she started realizing that the things that were, she was channeling and coming into her were yeah. actual information, not, you know, but, um. Anyway, so that was the first thing that opened me up to, oh, interesting. Um, there's more to it, but not only that, my loved ones are involved in some way. People who are super close to me are talking through her. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that comes into big play later in my life when I struggle a lot with if any of the stuff that I deal with is, is demonic. Um, <laughs> um, I, I hold on to little things like that that feel really true, that feel really like the people, it's things that people who are close to me are connecting to me, um, which is how I, I feel like it's a safe space. Um, anyway, so I saw her and I took a screenshot. She had a bunch of books stacked on her desk and I took a screenshot of the books. And then I went home and proceeded to read all the books to figure out like, what is this woman reading? What is this woman doing? Um, so that kind of started me on going into a whole new place yeah. and then as far as my actual awareness and decision making and all that kind of thing that probably triggered with human design and it wasn't one of the books she had first I read a book many masters many lives which introduced me to past lives 
um, I shared a Kindle account with my sister. So any books that I would read, she, she would read and vice versa. I don't know if I should have admitted that. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> Anyways, I give her my, I give her my Kindle account and, um, whatever I'll own it. And so she, uh, had downloaded a book that I thought was one of Shirley's books. And that was the book with the feather. Um, uh, but it turns out it was just a random recommend recommendation on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And normally I, just a random book off of Amazon, I wouldn't give credit. Like I would give credit a book that was specifically on the desk of somebody who I thought was legitimate. Right. Um, and when I got that book that I can't remember, um, it talked about signs and it talked about your counsel and guides. Um, and then it goes a hard left and talks about like Merlin and fairies and dwarves being real. And, and I got to the end of the book and I was like, I don't know about this. We'll just start with the feathers and the signs. And had I known that that book was not on the stack of books, I probably would have threw out everything once I got to the Merlin part at that point yeah. in my journey. Um, but because I had confused the Kindle account and thought it was part of that stack, um, I, I like took the next step. It's really sure. interesting the things that are like hidden and not. But when I got to human design, um, I discovered- Go, um, go ahead and give a quick um, just summary of what human design is because that for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to be as prolific as you'd think. Um, I feel like people who know what it is, know what it is, or at least on, on a level enough to understand the basics. So, um, and by the basics, I mean that it's a divination, you know, tool, um, yeah. like astrology. So give your best under two minute explanation of what um, human design is just in case anyone is like, what the hell is this nonsense? Yeah. The classic uh, way that they describe it is a blueprint of your energetics. It combines Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Jewish Kabbalah tree of life structure, the Hindu chakra system, um, and like the human genome code and um, puts it all into one chart. And I couldn't imagine how to do that all by hand, but you don't have to, you can type it into a computer. Uh, my human design, uh, Jenna Zoe, she's a leader in the field. You can get your chart there. Um, Mybodygraph.com, uh, jovianarchive.com, geneticmatrix.com. Those are all places you can dive into different have ways. Have you tried, never, never thought about this before, but have you tried um, to enter your birth and time and all that other stuff into all the different sites to see if there's any disparities between... Uh, the different calculators? I have. Uh, I listened to one of a, a podcast. I think it was maybe the De Luna podcast, but a podcast on human design specifically. And they had that where a couple of people had mentioned, I think it was specifically when they did mybodygraph.com, mm -hmm. which was one of the original ones in Jovian archives. So two of the oldest um, sites and that a couple of people had some disparities between the two. And so that made me uh, check them all for my mm -hmm. own. Because you know, yeah, and um, lawyer and and Jenna Zoe had addressed that on her um Instagram and on her site that that was a problem she kept seeing, and as a result, she did her own entire hired her own I don't know who's in charge of that astrologers, yeah. astronomers, programmers, all of them to calculate everything properly to get rid of that problem. So she had said that that was addressed. Um, I use my human design um with clients and with myself just because I like how it looks and um, it just feels connected to a specific person. I don't feel like sure. I'm just throwing things out into the ether. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm exchanging with a person who I, who I 
Yeah, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, so for practical purposes with human design, I think for entry level, it says that there's five types of energetic people. Uh, each type, well, one is a hybrid, four and a hybrid, depending on who you talk to. Um, but they each have a different way that their aura works. They each have something that's called a strategy, um, sort of how they should um, make their decisions in life and their authority, the part of themselves that helps them make those decisions that are in alignment for them. And it changes based off of your type and then based off of, you have nine centers. So the classic Hindu chakra system would be seven. Uh, human design says we've evolved and have now have nine. We're gonna evolve more later to have two more in our hands, but currently nine. And then each center is either defined, so you put your own energy out through that center that's consistent, that's your own, or undefined, which is you bring in the energy of other people through those centers. So when you look at the chart, you figure out how your energy is working, how you're taking in energy from other people, how you're affecting other people energetically. And then there's also, of course, transits because astrology is based. So different parts of your chart lights up and you have different aspects to your energetics so, based off of just the days. Have you ever counted how many different moving parts there are? <clears throat> no. I mean, astrology, Western astrology <clears throat> says 12 planets. Yeah. So there's, so there's 144. There's two, in astrology, there's the two luminaries. You do the sun and the moon. You also count. Um, you have the earth, but you don't usually use that point. Then you have the original seven, which was just the planets you could see with the, with the visual eye. And then you later added the, the outer three now that we have technology so you can see them. So usually you're talking about 10 total when you're dealing with astrology, okay. um, but that you're not counting earth. I mean, it has a, you can, but when they're talking about it, generally they're not referencing earth and they're including the sun and the moon. And the I Ching is hexagrams and there's eight primary, which gives you 64. It's a base, base 64 system. Yeah. And it lines up with the human genome code, which is the 64 what I'm not a scientist. Right. I'm not even no, going to pretend. The like only I reason can... why, you know, because, you know, people get really turned off uh, oftentimes with woo woo stuff. And, you know, they look at astrology and they think of the horoscopes in the newspaper. They don't understand the math that goes into it. So um, much math. There's, yeah. And the thing that I find interesting about human design is that there's a ridiculous amount of math going on. And so people who are science-minded or think that, you know, uh, things are more black and white and, and, you know, there's nothing esoteric that is real. And that if, it, if you can't measure it, then you can't quantify it and you can't change it and you can't, there's, it holds no value. And human design, the interesting <clears throat> excuse me, the interesting thing is they, they actually do measure everything and everything has a mathematical value and everything is calculatable. Um, which to me, for people who, um, don't like woo woo, but somehow or another find themselves, uh, attracted to simulation theory, uh, because it's mathematic, mathematical or scientific is like, well, human design probably lines up better with, with simulation theory than anything else, you know, that, that is mathematical or scientifically based. And so like the smartest people, like, you know, Elon Musk and all of the people that he hires to do mathematical modeling, to go to space that 
are into the idea of simulation theory, human design, in my estimation, is the closest mathematical model to actually chart and understand um, the mathematics behind what we would call simulation theory. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, each part of human design is a lifelong study, right? People mm -hmm. study the I Ching their entire life, lifetimes, and admit yeah. that they don't even grasp everything that's involved in it. Same with um, astrology. Jeez, I have just started in the past, I don't know, maybe two years diving into astrology, and it is so complex and so in-depth. Um, if you think about a lot of the people that we classically considered the great minds of our time, Einstein, um, you know, Galileo, like they were all astronomers and astrologers. Mm -hmm. um, I think people kind of lose that. And also a lot of the, their archetypes, right? There's tons of archetypes in astrology, but those archetypes are based off of years and years and years of them studying, of doing mm -hmm. data points of, okay, if the sun is right here and this is over here and I was born on this day, this is what happens. What about for that guy? Over mm -hmm. and over and over and over and over, right? So the math is just, yeah, extreme in depth. Um, but also you're not going to fully grasp everything because it's each part of it is a full, is a full life study. Mm -hmm. And you just get more, just the layers just keep unpeeling for me as I, as I go deeper and deeper. Um, but yeah, it's, it's concrete. And the, the most concrete thing to me, um, of human design is when I tried it, <laughs> when I looked at my chart, when I got a reading and it was like somebody telling me who I was, um, <clears throat> for the first time, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, there was a guest who talked about something she calls truth tears. They just coined it. It was cute. And I was on a road trip and listening to it. And it was when you cry and it's not necessarily joy or sadness. It's just something hits you as being so true. Yeah. Um, that it brings you to tears. And when I listened to the description of a manifesting generator, which is the type that I am in human design, it brought truth tears to me. I just felt seen in, in for maybe the first time and understood myself just, just from that one aspect. Um, when we talk about awareness, so manifesting generators, um, short version is they have their sacral defined. That's the center that's defined. Um, and also their throat, but, uh, so they generate constant energy. So they have the ability to work hours and hours and hours on something that lights them up, but they also have this manifestor quality of them. This is the hybrid between a manifestor type and a generator type, um, where they, they pivot. So it's kind of like the classic Jack of all trades, but a master of none. And I hate that. I don't remember the rest of that quote. Cause it's actually not a terrible, do you know it? You just nodded. Like you knew what I'm talking about. Um, uh, I was just um i don't know if i'll be able to repeat it um but it's let's see a jack of all trades but a master of none gives you i don't know it's a it's a super positive thing it, it's it's the it's one of those things that you know someone basically was trying to oppress people and trying to assert dominance and truncated the quote and in truncating the quote, it basically created created a cultural phenomenon. Um, I think mostly in earlier generations. Like I think now, I think that quote, um, the truncated version, is not prob um, propagated or progenit pro um, 
you know, put out there as much because yeah. people have realized it's a load of shit and it's incomplete. <laughs> Did you find the full quote? Yeah. Jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than the master of one. Yeah. Um, I knew it yeah. rhymed, which is why I was like, I'm never going to be <laughs> able to repeat it. Something. <laughs> yeah, but I, I definitely felt like I was a master of none because I would start something and then I would leave it. <laughs> I would, and I just felt like I never had anything to show for it. Nothing at the end to be like, even, even when I tell people like I've gone to law school, I still to this day, I have to like tell myself, I feel like I have nothing to show for my life. Um, I've just done a bunch of different things yeah, <laughs> and never to that. like a point of completion. Um, and so, and, and it's also the millennial thing too, right? Like, oh, the millennials can't keep, you know, their job or they just want to eat avocado toast all day. And I do want to eat avocado toast all day. So maybe it's true, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I just found out that, that these manifesting generators they are designed to taste, test and taste a bunch of different things and then tell people about them and move on. So they're like a scout for if you were in the military, like you go out, you see what there is, you come and you report back and then you go out again. And they're the ones that create new things that you never even thought was possible because they're taking all these different parts and they're putting them together mm -hmm. and then going somewhere else. So having just permission to quit things and not feel guilty about it, not feel like a quitter, um, was a huge moment for me. Yeah. And then um, there's a couple parts of my chart specifically. Actually, I let's, have... let's dig into that for a half a second. Um, yeah. So we go from having, you know, being very smart, being very, you know, driven with accomplishing whatever you need to accomplish for what you put your mind to, um, to needing a deeper level of awareness, consciousness, um, engagement in your life, you know, more personal engagement in your life leads you unconsciously and unwittingly, um, to a psychic via your sister. Um, and that sent you on a super educational mission to try to actually understand the esoteric woo woo stuff from a pragmatic standpoint so that you weren't just, you know, free falling. Um, human design gave you a level of concreteness because of the, the ridiculous level of math involved. And, you know, in having someone do a reading, it, it, it lit you up in a way of like, this is real. This is, like, how could this possibly, you know, all this math um, and the calculations point to this, this, and this, and that's 100% who I am. Um, so now you're on this path to utilize these te <clears throat> techniques and to be more engaged on a personal level with your life. How did that change your happiness, joy, contentment? Um, those are all kind of different things, but how did that affect your, your just mental well-being when you started traveling down this road of a much more, what most would consider non-objective path? 
even though you're making mm-hmm. it, you're doing it in a very objective way. How did this affect your, your mental state? I think the, I think the biggest thing is all the, all the different parts just gave me permission to not know and to be okay. Like, okay. For example, human design, the G center, uh, it's your identity center, your love center. For me, it's undefined. Um, so that means someone like me will take on a bunch of different identities of different people. That's the chameleon in high school that I could go hang out with the goth kids, no offense to the goth. I just put on mm-hmm. some black eyeliners, some, you know, black go to club, hang out with them. And they're not like, who's that chick. And then I can go hang out with the cheerleader squad. I can like, I don't know, I can't do a backflip, but do something that cute cheerleaders do and right. seem completely normal and, you know, fine. And, um, and blend in there and be the social chameleon and talk to different people in different ways sure. and like blend. Um, and so in, in one sense, I belonged everywhere, but what would happen to me is I felt like I'm just blending with all these other people, but I'm not, I don't fit with any of them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't really know who I am. Like I had a problem that, um, I feel like people didn't see me, like they'd sure. say things about me and I'd be like, that's not me, but I don't know who I am. I had a big identity of just like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I should do. I don't, you know, whatever. And human design labels it. They say, yeah, you have an identity center and yours open. So energetically you just take on the identities of everybody else. And so your gift is I can hang out with this person, sense who they truly are, and then help them discover it because I'm taking in that energy and showing it to them. We have that in common, don't we? Oh, I'd have to look probably. I should have pulled up your chart before this, but um, I've looked at so many lately. I can't remember. Um, Although you often feel like you really know who you are. So I'm not sure, but if that resonates, we'll look it up. I'll report back. Um, So like I I dated um, this guy who did improv and I found myself surprisingly like a couple of weeks into dating, doing improv. And I didn't even put it, like I got classes at the theater he teaches at. And did not put it together until much later when I was learning human design that um, I don't care about improv. (laughs) I was just taking, he'd done improv for like 15 years, Alex. So I was just like taking on, I was just taking on his, you know, and I started watercolor, I started painting. He's a painter, sort of taking on that identity. Um, Anyways, so, so just not feeling seen and not knowing like who I am. Like, I don't know who I am. Like what kind of person doesn't know who they are. Like, what is that? Um, but then I got into human design and I was like, most people, (laughs) most people, a lot of people, I think it's like 30 something, seven percent or something like that have an undefined G center, but I also have a completely open Ajna. So the Ajna in human design, it's like the processing, uh, mental processing plant. Um, but it deals a lot with answering questions and certainty and needing to feel like you're certain about something. People who have defined ajnas can feel certain. People who have undefined ajnas have to realize that they, they're never going to find certainty. Not really, not hundred percent. And so when it came time to decision-making, I just, I never, I never really felt certain that it was the right choice. So what I would do is I'd ask you and I'd ask you and I'd ask you and I asked dad and dad would be like, well, just go to law school. And so I'd be like, okay, I'll go to law school. Because I don't know, because even when I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see this movie. I'd still be like, should I go to this movie? Like, there's always just like a little part of me that's like analyzing it and taking in other people's ways of thoughts of how they do it and not quite being sure about it. 
And so um, all of this experience of this mathematical process that human design employs gave you uh, the confidence or the freedom to let go of worrying about any of that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about the math at the time. I just thought like they just told me like, oh yeah, do you never feel certain about anything? That's actually a gift because then you can just go into the experience and see, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? And, and mindfulness in the practice of mindfulness, that's considered beginner's mind. Um, and beginner's mind is, you know, what I would call is the first, you know, foundational principle of mindfulness. Um, hmm. Well, actually, I would, I would, really, it's non-judgment, but beginner's mind, um, you know, kind of has to be your, it has to be what you come back to. Um, beginner's mind is something that I actually have kind of later um, to work on, you know, from a standpoint of when you're working on mindfulness and developing your practice. But if you don't have a sense of beginner's mind, I don't think you can actually start anything because you're, you're going to be starting at a deficit. And so it's kind of, um, it's kind of something that, that is required in there, but it's a little bit more complicated and a little bit harder to get to. So I think I actually have it as like number four on my list of foundational steps, but anyways, this neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. It just gave me, it just gave me permission to, to be like, okay, I'm only 80% and that's enough for me to go ahead and commit to this. And if it doesn't work out fine, but I don't need to keep like calling 15 different people to try to figure out what the answer is. I can just tune and in myself I think and feel it's right. Who traded stocks were 80% positive. They were going to get the return <laughs> they wanted. Uh, and that, I mean, that would be mega amazing kind of thing you know, or, or entrepreneurs going after a business, it's like 80% is huge number, um, of. I just want that hundo. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think a hundred percent can exist until after the fact, um, which is. Oh, I don't even get it after the fact. That's fair. Most of the time, (laughs) most of the time I'm like, if you, maybe that was a good idea. I don't know. Yeah, but I, you know, the the looking backwards, at least you can you can have a hundred percent value of okay, this is this is what it was or is for now, um, yeah. because the past changes maybe as much as the future, um, depending on our perspective and how we're looking at it. But it's easier to quantify for most people um, for a period of time you know, and then how it changes usually isn't understood because you forget what your hundred percent used to be. We can, we uh, will not go right now into a whole discussion of time and past, present and future and what's what and what doesn't exist and does exist. But from human design, the way they see it with the Ajna is the Ajna doesn't know, doesn't recognize time. So it will shoulda, woulda, coulda, all day long if you make decisions using your mind or your ajna um and so in human design they say you don't actually use those areas to make your decisions you lean towards your authority uh which for me is my solar plexus so um if you make decisions from the proper place of your body that's in alignment then you lose that your mind thinking about it later shoulda woulda coulda are you certain or are you not because you're not making your 
decisions from the mind. You're making decisions yeah. from the body, which is so, also called yeah. monkey mind and, you know, Eastern meditative practices and yeah. it's being adopted. I think in the Western world, I was watching something, uh, it was an Amazon. No, it was Amazon. I think it's an Amazon show uh, called upload, which I don't think it's in its second season. Um, I don't know that it got great reviews. It's kind of a, a little bit of a, a fluffy show. Um, and it just happened to be on Ash was had it on while she was working, you know, in the background. And I sat down and I watched uh, an episode. I think they're like 30 minute episodes. I watched an episode or maybe two with her and, um, and they were trying to get the uploaded character, the guy who was murdered and, and his consciousness uploaded into this, you know, um, afterlife to control his thoughts so that the programmers couldn't read his thoughts. And they referred to it as monkey mind. And I thought that was just funny how popular Western fluffy, you know, TV content is using you know, Eastern, uh, I, I, you know, ideas and in terms of how the mind works, but anyways, yeah. Monkey mind, Aja, all over the place, past, present, future doesn't know the difference. It's, it's so fun when you speaking of being able to like create your own reality, when you, you know, you get, you learn a new word and all mm -hmm. of a sudden that word pops up everywhere. You get a new car and all of a sudden you swear your car was not that popular. And now everywhere you turn, you see the same car, like the multiverse. I feel like right now, all of a sudden movies and shows and all over the place, multiverse is now like very yeah. in just the other day. I watched Which like two drives me trailers. nuts because I don't think it's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like it's, I mean, I call it the fractal verse um, because if you, if you have any understanding of physics, everything's connected. So um, the only truth would be, you know, your, your quantum position, which we're in, you know, until you make a decision or until you look at it, you're in, a, you're always in a superposition. So, you know, from that standpoint, everything is, is interconnected inextricably, you know, which would be quantum entanglement. Um, so as soon as something comes in contact with something else, it's quantum, it, there's a level of quantum entanglement, um, which would suggest fractals, uh, not multi, you know, and so the only separation that there that exists, I mean, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, you know, and so I'm literally connected to the space around me. If anyone's in this room, they're literally connected to me through their breath you know, and some of their molecules, not everything you breathe out is carbon dioxide. So not everything you breathe out can't be br breathed in by someone else. So, you know, not to mention we're sharing electrons. There's a whole theory in physics that there's only one electron. It's just everywhere all the time in multiple states in multiple. It must be a generator. That's a very busy electron. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, the only rational thought that anyone could possibly have is, you know, if you're into physics, which I don't understand why Sean Carroll um, or Brian Green or any of these other physicists don't talk about this, but the only rational thought to have is that it's a fractal verse because everything is connected to everything else and everything is, is changing in accordance. So all of the branches aren't branches of that create other universes 
but they are branches of one universe looking at it from a different angle, a different perspective. And so a shift in perspective will give you a different picture, which if you are, you know, isolating can look like a different universe or look like a different reality, but it's still part of the same whole. So fractal verse is the only possible reality. Multiverse is, is an incorrect explanation for what's going on. I mean, that's a bold statement to say the only, only rational, <laughs> like you had another, you had, you know, Michael Silver a year ago was thinking plenty of rational thoughts before he got to fractal verse. So I think we just got to be a little kind to the people who are still, you know, not quite there. Okay. And maybe so, Michael Silver two years from now will be like the only rational thought will be that's fair. That's we're in fair. a video game uh, or whatever. The by saying the only rational thought is based on the given information. So yeah. as new information comes <clears throat> about, would be the shift or change in definition, perspective, uh, or understanding. So when I, when I'm making an emphatic generalization of the only rational thought, it's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I've read your books and you're missing what you're saying. You're not, you know, you know, you're telling me that everything's connected and then you're trying to say, because everything's connected, it's all separate. It's like, okay, I can get down with that from, you know, from a, you know, a balance, a yin and yang, a duality standpoint. But if you're going to talk on, you know, on, on a multi-dimensional layer where, you know, dimensions can, you know, collapse in on themselves and, and go outward uh, on the same mathematical, you know, geometric, um, you know, measurement system, then the end result would be, even if it's separate, it's still connected. So if you're trying to say your final hypothesis is that everything's separate, then you're undermining your, your, how you got there, which is everything's connected. So it would be more appropriate to say fractal verse than multiverse based on what you're saying. So not my, <laughs> not my real theory premise or, or research it's theirs. I just think they're shortchanging themselves and the rest of the world that looks at them as experts. Yeah. So, yeah, <clears throat> I do think a lot of people get to fractal verse from the multiverse though. So at least as far as it entering into mainstream, you know, media, but they don't talk about it directly. So even yeah. Marvel, um, you know, Marvel universe, they talk about the multiverse and they're talking about these things, but the representation of it is all fractal. <laughs> So right. like Dr. Strange, uh, the new movie that's coming out, if you watch the trailers uh, or, or even Spider-Man, how they represent the fractal verse or how they represent the multiverse is all through fractals um, because it's the only math and it's the only system that we know of that actually connects things and yeah. actually is able to explain things or, or, or visually represent things. And uh, it shows up in all physics, biology, and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the irony to me. It's like, you know, if you, if you're looking at something and you see it as a 
wall, then it's going to be an obstacle. So if you're looking at things and you keep on calling it a multiverse, then you're looking at things separate and you're not going to be able to get there Mm. because you can't open the door because there's no door there. So if you call it for what it is based on your explanations on physics and math, you call it for what it is, you're, you're telling me it's a fractal verse. I'm not the math genius. I'm not the, the physicist, you know, expert. I'm just listening to what you're telling me. And I'm telling me you're, you're calling it, if you're calling it a multiverse, but you're saying it's, it's all based on fractals and interconnectedness and, and, and inextricable entanglement. Well, that's described better by the words we have as a fractal verse, not a multiverse. So there doesn't need to be a wall because there is no wall because it's all connected and the door, you just need to push and you go right through it. So we have the ability to connect to every other uh, universe because it's inextricable based on their math, based on their science. They're just not seeing it. They just need to shift their perceptions. (laughs) Call them up. Come on. Yeah, because they're going to take my call. <laughs> I've re- I've sent emails. I've sent, you know, Instagram messages and tweets. And, you know, what I have found is these people are just like every other, you know, successful, wealthy person. They're too inundated and they're too overloaded. And yeah. If you they- see me do this gesture, sometimes I just like delete, like delete that. You know, that's just something you're perpetuating out there. All these fancy, busy people can't take time for, you know, just it's not that it's wrong. And just, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting, I'm waiting to get the, I'm waiting to, I I love being proved wrong when I say stuff like that. I love being proved wrong when I'm like, this person won't take my calls and they take my call. I I love it. Um, So, yeah, but but expect it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that. You know? Yeah. Um, so we're way off track we're way right off. now. <laughs> I knew uh, we would, but I have like, I have fractal verse questions. It's like, I, it's so hard for me to not, let's just talk about me. Shall we? No, let's, I just, well, let's, let's tie this up then. Let's, yeah. um, so you've, you've gained a level of, of calm and comfort in how you live your life, um, through exploring, extremely complicated concepts that on a general a high level Passover looks like total nonsense. And it looks like, uh, you know, clouds of subjective trash to people out there who, who haven't realized that there's a, a hard objective mathematical um, underbelly to all this stuff. So, and it's giving you a calm and a comfort in the way you live your life. How has that changed your coping mechanisms? And how do you look at, um, you know, obstacles now differently than you did prior to, you know, coming to this, this calm, this awakening? Mm. I think... Uh, I just have so, there's just so much, there's so much I can't even imagine of like how I'm going to get 
I, when you ask every time you ask me a question, I just like explodes like 30 things that I, then I'm like, well, this is the, like to get, I like to describe, like explain how I get to places. And, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to not do that for me. It's hard for me to like short circuit that and go in, but, um, I've just learned so much about myself, like not only through human design, like I guess human design taught me to pay more attention to what is lighting me up. And in doing that, I uncovered um, this thing called to be magnetic. So I learned about shadow work and inner child work and uh, different gates that I have. Like I have, um, I have one gate that um, talks about like judgment and learning, mm-hmm. you know, one aspect of me, gate 55 talks about having your own power <clears throat> and you lose your power when you do victimization and you have victimization through blaming or shaming. And so anytime I started like complaining or not blaming and shaming, complaining and blaming. So anytime I started complaining about something, I'd turn it and say, okay, that's gate 55. What's going on here? Why am I doing that? Why am I giving my power away in that way? Or anytime I started blaming somebody else, um, I'd say, okay, that's the same thing. It's gate 55. What's going on here? And like, I'll evaluate that. Um, then I have the shadow work and the inner child work. So if I get triggered where my reaction to something that's happened seems disproportionate to what's actually happened, then I say like, okay, um, is that something that happened to me as a kid that I need to work through? And that's why it's such a, such a touchy subject. And I'll go meditate on it or do Lacey calls them deep imaginings and do a deep imagining on it. So if I find myself complaining I'll check in with one thing if it's you know something bad happened to me (laughs) you know I stubbed my toe and I'm upset about it then I'm like okay why am I upset about what's this thing what is you know so I have different parts of myself that I've learned that I tap into for coping so essentially what I'm hearing is that um, human design and all of this inner work that you've done has given you an architecture to understand uh, how you operate and uh, internally and your, your emotional, your, your um, logical, your non-logical, all the different parts of you that kind of make up your, your inner matrix, you now have an architecture for it. And you're able to reference all these different things, you know, in order to, you know, make sure you're in alignment where before you didn't have that architecture uh, or you had the architecture, but you didn't understand the architecture. So the architecture wasn't illuminated to be able to process things, uh, direct. Yeah. I guess I learned a lot of the why, like, I also have a defined emotional solar plexus in my wave. People who have human design, they'll follow this. And if not, I'll try to help. But the center that I have, uh, just says some days I'm emotionally low and some days I'm emotionally high and it's Mm -hmm. not a good, bad dichotomy. It's just, that's how the wave is. So when I'm on the lower side, it's more melancholic. It's more, um, I don't want to go out and do things with people. A lot of the times I want to just like sit in with myself or it's good for art or creativity. And if I'm in the low part of my wave and instead I'm going out to parties, I'm not going to have a good time and vice versa. If I'm high and I'm good and I'm feeling great, you know, then I should honor that more. And that's the perfect time to go out to that brunch and that kind of thing. So I have my emotional aspect where I say some of my emotions are just happening uh, that I don't necessarily have control over or go higher or lower. Um, and I'm allowed to feel them. So I have like that aspect. 
then I can say, okay, I can take in the inner child work stuff too. So maybe I'm reacting really strongly emotionally, even more so because of something that had happened and let's sort that out and like, let's see if that's the case. Or maybe I just worked with a client. And so I've taken on a lot of energy with them. And so I go into like practices like grounding or take a shower or just clear or delete that kind of energy for me. So really I just have so many tools i just have all these little tools so you also have systems for dealing with it not just the architecture but then systems for managing each each scaffolding or each um you know building arm structure right and i've learned that there's just so much out there i mean i already knew this but so much that i don't know and being okay with that uncertainty and having permission to fail things or not complete mm. them that overall just being like don't know guess i was just human today figure that yeah. out better luck next time just taking the pressure off has really helped too that perfectionism is really letting that go what i think is you know probably and this is the reason why you know coaches consultants um mentors and um you know, people are starting to gravitate towards these services more and more and more is because people are understanding that the tools they are given um, from childhood usually are pretty basic. And our, our programming that we take on in the first few years of our life is very high level, very surface, and to navigate in this world as it becomes more and more complex and more and more interconnected in our um, in our, our, our dealings, um, people are understanding that they just don't have the understanding or the expertise or the skills. And so they find a coach, uh, a consultant, um, an expert, you know, or a guide someone that can help them better illuminate the parts of themselves. And, you know, I think what you've done because you're a hyper, um, hyper intellectual intense person that needs to really get, you know, something that you're interested in or something that you're engaged in, you need a high level of, of understanding. So you gained a very high level of of light or, you know, reveal on your inner architectures. You know, you're talking about Jungian um, psychology. You're talking about, you know, all of these high level cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the symphony of selves or the um, IFS um, internal family systems. Like you're talking about all these psychological systems that, you know, most people have doctor, you know, behind their name that use these systems and you got it all from human design. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, which is why people, you know, pay you to be their life coach um, because this is what you've done for yourself. And now you know how to show other people how to do it. I mean, I think that's kind of the amazing thing of, of the work you've done. 
Yeah, I don't think a lot of people go into a psychic's office and take a picture of like 15 books and then go read them all no. and then go, oh, one of them's on numerology. Let me just go study numerology. Oh, one of them's on past lives. What's that? Let me just do some past life regression therapy. Oh, there's a Akashic Records. I believe in that. Let me just go read some Akashic. Like I just, I go down all the various like rabbit holes. So human design in the past four years has helped like guide me, but the true like manifesting gener- generator way of just taking in like, the dad psychology class is this one thing on this rabbit hole that I talking to you. So many rabbit holes of just the content that you send me. Um, yeah, it's just kind of all is finally starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, like we said, you know, on our, on our <laughs> squirrel, um, everything's connected everything's connected to everything else. And sometimes it's flapping over here and doesn't have um, any real value to what's going on over here um, that we can see, but that doesn't mean it's not connected. Like my hand over here is still connected to my hand over here, even though they're in completely different spaces. Um, you know, they are connected and there is value in each one of these places um, that you're pulling information from. I've had a lot of little moments that sort of connect dots and take me to the next place too. Like I forget where I heard it, but someone talked about, imagine we're all just like drops of water on the planet. Right. So like, we're all part of the same ocean. You might get evaporated and condensation and whatever else, but at one point you're also all part of this massive ocean, but you can be a separate drop that like gets put into somebody's cup. Like that, that was like an image in my mind that helped things like click. Um, I also listened to a podcast. It might be this podcast with Killy. I don't know, but somewhere they talked about blueberries and just the very concept of an antioxidant of how you have all these like free little, I'm going to butcher all the science because I don't care about it, but like ions, free radicals, whatever, those little electrons that need home that are flying around your body and you eat a blueberry and it has extra. So it just completes that little ring like eighth grade science is coming back to me. Yeah. Um, and so you're not aging as quickly, potentially. Like what if we're all aging because we're all losing all these electrons when we touch things, but instead you just eat a bunch of blueberries and save those electrons and maybe that's making you more youthful. Yeah. Like, I mean, from a chemical con- standpoint, the the um, positive charge and negative charge is losing electrons or gaining electrons. So every molecule is going to be positively charged or negatively charged based on how many electrons it has. And right. you can have different... Uh, versions of the same thing that are um, positive or negative based on, you know, our plus or minus um, based on if they're, you know, shedding or gaining and, you know, gold, the reason why it's so valuable is because it's, I believe the most stable of all elements on the periodic chart and it doesn't shed or gain very much um or very often so it's a really great conductor because it's so stable and so we're not made of gold therefore we're not stable (laughs) (laughs) go figure humans aren't gold baby so we're constantly in flux so we're constantly gaining and losing all kinds of things um that would be the the chemical side of things yeah the chemistry of, of life yeah Yeah. It's just, um, I guess the point I was just trying to make was that there's been a lot of times where I've gotten sort of stuck. And then I had a little, just like, bloop, like a little 
moment. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I had the ocean metaphor and I was like, okay, now I really get how we're all connected or the blueberry thing of like, okay, now I really understand like how much just eating a blueberry changes me yeah. or touching my hand to a couch. And now I've transferred energy with them. And then when I started yeah. doing energy work with people across, you know, the world, those points just helped me kind of understand that or um, for knowing that there's things outside of this world, the signs like um, I had with the duck, but I had, I had a bigger one that was, I requested a platypus with a hat on um, and I got it. And this is a whole other beautiful story that I love, but just like a moment like that, I had one um, with you where you led me to that podcast. I got really stuck on um, not wanting to fall into a trap of a specific religion. Cause I mm. felt like my original religion just didn't help me. Um, you introduced me to the monk who talked about zebras and like, if you've never seen a zebra, um, you might not believe yeah. like, the idea of like a donkey and a tiger, like coming to, like, together. What is that? And you don't believe it. And then you see a zebra and your whole world opens up. And so that allowed me to be like, who knows what kind of zebras are out there in the world that I just haven't seen yet. So I'm going to keep my mind open. Um, there I think are, that's why just... some people become entomologists. Bees are constantly finding new bugs, new species and insects are wildly different looking than because mammals all have some basic similarities. There's not that huge of a variety. And, but insects, man, there are just billions of different types of insects. And I mean, can we, can we talk about the ocean for a second? What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's we in the ocean? We don't know what's down there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so how, and this will kind of, I think this wraps us up, um, for, for this episode, you know, because we've, we've covered the major things and we've kind of attached it to everything. Um, you know, I always say, one earth same air and water because we're all stuck on the same planet and if anyone is coming and going from this planet and going to other planets we don't know that's not a collective reality and so we can't even discuss that um, but what we can discuss is that we are traveling through space on this planet and we've got just one that we are conscious aware of collectively and whether you like it or not, we breathe the same air and we drink the same water worldwide. It circulates. And like, you know, if that doesn't get you, I don't know what does. So now that you are really in that, does everything that you do moving forward filter through that, you know, that ocean as you're, as you refer to it, the ocean of everything? and your new architecture and, and um, you know, mechanisms for, for dealing with each part of the machinery? Yeah, I think the pendulum swings between putting so much through it and being like, okay, just, just live, like, yeah. let, come on, let it go, you know, to swinging and being like, ooh, look at me, look at my awareness, look at me figuring this out, look at me, you know, so I, I go back, back and forth. So sometimes I, um, wish I had just used my tools even more because I get, I just get lost down the, you know, human experience of like, why? And then realizing I have the tools for it and then doing it. And then other times I feel like I'm overanalyzing it and I should just stop putting the tools through it and just accept the experience for what it is. So I go back and forth, but are you able um, to appreciate 
um, and kind of observe the all of the intricacies and let yourself just experience it kind of so yeah i get um yes something like in a good game of volleyball i'll mm. just not be thinking about anything about how much fun i'm having and then sometimes i stop and i realize that i'm just enjoying the moment and then i up it and then i go ooh now let's just enjoy it more and let's win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Let's manifest the win, you know, like whatever. And then I'd like, and then I use my tools to like elevate it even more if it's like yeah. the good juicy parts. Um, but I, I like when I get out of my head, it's just tricky for me to get out of my head, but I, I do love those moments when I do also sometimes like I had a, an, an argument for one of the first times ever where I felt like I came out of my body and observed the argument and them like yelling, didn't do anything to me. I was just like, Oh, look at look at the, like what I said shouldn't have offended them that much. And I think they're having triggered by their, and let me see if I can adjust that and like come at it from a different, it was just like, what? Because normally me would just immediately be angry right back or snap back or, you mm -hmm. know, so um, I've had a couple of those moments where I feel like I'm getting, I don't want to say better at that, but having that awareness and sort of stepping out has been yeah. an adventure. So I like the trajectory I'm going on, which is having more awareness overall. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's conscious, conscious decisions where you're choosing your path versus being taken down a path. It's nice to let go sometimes and have your path chosen for you. But even that is a choice. Once you are conscious, you get to make that choice. Yeah. I think a fun homework assignment for any like people pleasers out there is like take a week where you're not allowed to ask anybody what their thought or opinion is on what you do hmm. and just do it like that. and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's fun. I think that's a great way to end. Don't forget to leave a comment or a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. New episodes every Tuesday and check us out on YouTube for short clips from each episode. Thank you. And until next time, remember your life story is yours to write and rewrite as many times as you want. Thank you.